Welcome back to the program. Father Lewis is going to lead us in a scripture reading and a prayer. Our scripture passage comes from Romans 12 today, verses 1 and 2. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, your spiritual worship. Do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing and perfect. Good and gracious God, through the intercession of St. Basil the Great and his dear friend St. Gregory and Azianzus, we ask your blessings upon us and our listeners to help us to uh, engage in the renewal of our minds, that we may more uh, clearly and faithfully understand the rich te- teachings that you give us in your Catholic Church, and that will strengthen our faith and in our discipleship of Jesus, your Son, in whose most holy name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Lewis. I appreciate that very much. So, Father Lewis, as I mentioned at the very beginning of the program, um, we're recording this on Thursday, the 29th, and uh, we're looking ahead. We're casting ahead all the way over that weekend where we go past the great solemnity of Mary, the Mother of God on Sunday. And then here we are. This program is airing on Monday and this feast of, of St. Uh, Basil. Uh, I've got several things I want to talk to you about connected to that. Uh, I want to talk to you about the scripture that yeah, you read to begin, about the somehow that we become transformed through the renewal of our minds we are transformed personally, deeply, in our whole life of faith. Somehow, there's an intimate connection between that and the renewal of our minds. And I'm not sure that's something that we always appreciate today. That's the first one. Uh, the second one is you mentioned this other saint with kind of a strange name at the beginning, and I want to know why you did that, but that's also going to bring up, I think, another very important part of transformation and a source of transformation in our lives, and that is having brothers our sisters in Christ that walk with us, uh, that will move us forward in the life of faith. And and then the third is this quandary that I mentioned, which we're going to turn into an opportunity. <laughs> and, and it's this, that we're at the beginning of something, right? And a lot of folks will be making New Year's resolutions. And it's something that we touched upon at the beginning of the new liturgical year, that that can be an opportunity to be prayerfully saying, Lord, I, wa- I want to make a resolution, but I don't want it to be apart from what you're resolved to do in my life. And so um, that action, that, let's call it uh, initiative, or that practice of, of using a beginning to um, launch out in a way that's intentional, um, and, and in a way that then leads to resolutions is something I want to explore with you as well. All right. So there we go. Uh, and part of it is this. I can't say to you, how was your New Year's, right? Because <laughs> I presume uh, it'll be great. <laughs> yes. There we go. We'll call it a, a great blessing, a, great, a time of great blessing. Yes. Uh, I can ask you, how is your nativity going? The, uh, not nativity, the... Uh, the uh, the Christmas octave? The octave, yeah. sorry. The octave, the eight days of yeah. Christmas. So far, very good. I was just actually reflecting in prayer this morning that the season of Advent is probably my favorite liturgical season, but my favorite time of the year um, outside of you know liturgical season as such is the Christmas octave. 
uh, Christmas uh, and then bookended with New Year. But in between, especially those first three days, those great feasts of St. Stephen, St. John the uh, Evangelist, and then the Holy Innocents. And plus, I I, uh, have something of a minor devotion, I would say, to St. Thomas Beckett, whose feast day is today. So um, just, uh, you know, line them up, uh, all these great um, um, uh, feasts, you know, in connection in their various ways with the birth of the Lord. So... Yeah, it's a it's been a great week. Nice, nice. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, it's been um, it's been I think also great around here. A couple of my kiddos have headed back to their uh, to the places where they live now, right? Um, and they made it. Their planes mercifully made it. Um, actually, no. Let me take that back. One of them, my daughter, one of her flights was canceled. Um, was it Southwest. It was Southwest. Oh no. <laughs> yes, but the mercy was that she went online. Um, that that morning, she finds out her flight's canceled. She gets online, and there's one ticket left on Alaska Airlines on a direct flight from Spokane to Portland. So, and the crazy thing was, was that it wasn't for twelve hundred dollars, right? Oh, wow. All of these, you know, when you buy last minute tickets, it, it, prices are just through the roof. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing was that every other ticket price was through the roof. But this one wasn't. And I don't know, it must have been some kind of algorithm that was basically saying, okay, you're only four hours before the flight. You still have an empty seat. You better just slash the price until someone grabs it because getting something for it is better than getting nothing for it. And so it was making that live adaptation, and my daughter ended up being the beneficiary. Nice. And so she'll get – I think – I don't know if she's going to end up net positive because she's going to get some of her – Southwest airline return portion reimbursed. I don't know if that's going to cover the cost of having to get a, a replacement ticket, yeah. but I'm very grateful. She's yeah. very grateful she was able to get out and move forward rather than the unknown, yeah. <laughs> the unknown of the of the craziness of travel. Right. <laughs> so um, we like to know. We like to have that sense of clarity and and, and the surety and all of that. Uh-huh. So. Um, so there we go. Um, so, Father, uh, I've got those three uh, three conversations to have with you. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to give you an option here. Uh-huh. I'm going to give you an option. Which of those three do you want to start with? Do you want to start with the transformation of your mind? Do you want to start with uh, transformation through brotherhood and the faith and, and drawing upon the feast day of today of Gregory and Basil? Or do you want to talk about uh, the idea of launching into the new year with a fresh start, a new beginning, and an activity of discerning what God's resolution mm-hmm. is for our for our lives? Well, I can uh, already imagine a, a connection of, for our discussion for points one and two, definitely. So uh, maybe we start with one of those. Maybe sure. point point two, um, you know, the, um, the the friend the the friendship of virtue that was enjoyed by Saint Basil and Saint Gregory. If yeah, if that sounds good, let's go. Okay. So where do you want to start with that? Well, you mentioned earlier that uh, you know you had introduced a program. It's the feast of Saint Basil. Um, uh, I don't know if that's how it used to be exclusively his, but uh, the liturgy as it is now, it's a shared feast day between him and St. Gregory. And I said St. Gregory Nazianzen, or of Nazianza, so he was bishop, I guess, of that town that I don't know if it exists anymore. But So he's kind of surnamed that. Um, but um, anyway, they were, um, I think their families were close. And anyway, they were childhood friends and and um, and grew up more or less together and then studied together at what we would say college, and um, as St. Gregory writes, you know, the second reading for the Office of Readings for that day is St. Gregory's uh, part of his eulogy for his friend St. Basil, and he talks about how, they, you know, 
in in academia there would be pretty intense competition to you know who who can shine the brightest as an intellectual i guess uh, you know superstar but with them it was uh, it was a competition of who could um, help the other to shine brighter so they were trying to give way to the other um, bishop uh, 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 saint basil became bishop first i think of caesarea and um, and so Gregory thought, oh, good, he won. Leave me alone. I'll go to my monastery. But Basil, not to be outdone, recommended Gregory for Bishop of Nazianzus, and so he threw him under the bus, um, as it were. So anyway, they were bishops now, brother bishops, I think, in present-day Turkey. And, and uh, St. Gregory would say that they were as uh, one soul sharing two bodies. That's how close, I guess, their friendship was. And it was a friendship of, of virtue. They were iron sharpening iron, help, you know, helping one another to be sharpened as disciples of Jesus and um, later as, as bishops of his church in service of God and for the glory of God and the salvation of souls. So they were trying to outdo each other, in, I guess, in terms of growing in virtue. And uh, it's interest, It's always been interesting to me that the church has them share a feast day now. There's lots of saints that share a feast day, but usually under the conditions of martyrdom, they were martyred together. Or, you know, for something like that. But it seems like they share feast day particularly because of their friendship. And so the church holds them up as a model for, for friendship for us all, like what that really means. And so I think the connection with the renewal of our minds, that's where I think the bridge is. Because we can have one sense of what friendship should be, but they had a completely different sense. And if we would allow our minds to be transformed and be renewed... In, in regard to friendship, we'll see the world in a, in a new way, I, I suspect. Yeah. The, well, you mentioned the Office of Readings, and that's very inspiring. <laughs> yeah. And he talks about, you know, they had this one desire to be Christian, to be named Christian. Yeah. And I, I love that, that that's, that was their intention. That was their goal. Yeah. And I think about men. Let's start with men. And the value that having, I call them brothers in the Lord. Sometimes it gets reduced to accountability partners, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's unfortunate because it puts a um, an emphasis on a kind of gotcha spirit, uh. um, and so it it misses the wider range of the concept of we're not just friends, but we're brothers in the Lord. Yeah, and the difference between friends and brothers is what. You choose your friends. Right. You, you don't, don't choose, choose your, your brothers. brothers. Yeah. They're given to you. They're given to you by God. There's a design. There is a, a will of God expressed in the brothers that are blood brothers that the Lord gives to you. And one of the ways that that has translated into my own journey of faith is being open to having the Lord bring brothers in the Lord, brothers who are... Um, well, this would be an interesting thing to describe. What, what makes someone a brother in the Lord versus a friend? Mm-hmm. And then um, what does it mean to, to walk in that sense of um, a shared mission, a shared goal that a brother in the Lord would, would have you do? I think this is just so critical for men today. Yeah. So critical because, honestly, men in general, Catholic men in general, are just— we are not passionately pursuing Jesus Christ yeah. as our goal. Like you talked about that one goal, that you know, uh, one soul in two bodies, and that passionate pursuit of the Lord and of holiness and of honoring Him in all things and in whatever the call is. That kind of spirit is very difficult for a man to have on his own, yeah. on his own. And I have found, just historically in my own journey of faith, that when I'm with other men, 
and we make a commitment to walk together, even if it's just for a short period of time, it um, really helps um, with motivation, with focus, with, um, uh, with the ability to tackle challenging areas uh, that might be holding us back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'll pause there and say, um, does, does that resonate at all with your journey as a Catholic Christian disciple, seminarian, and now priest? Yeah. Um, it it does. Although I think that um, I would I might even make a further distinction that it's a, a ext- extraordinarily difficult for men, um, especially uh, in particular laymen versus uh, priests. At least in my experience, because the shared experience of our by nature of our vocation as priests, we already have and we strive to live kind of this heightened awareness of the greater realities of heaven. And, um, and we're a sign of that even as we live our lives here on earth. So it seems, I, I perceive it anyway, to, to be a little easier for, for me to live in that mode versus like the average um, layman. And, um, and again, by, I think by virtue of vocation, that's not to say that it's easy. Uh, it can be very easy for us as priests in our friendship with one another to still just you know hang out and talk of nothing more than mundane things and kind of live on that plane. But... Um, but in any event, I think that sense of the spiritual brotherhood is is more readily apparent, at least among the priest friends that I that I hang out with. Our conversations. Well, let me ask you about that. Yeah. I, and I think that that's a that's a gift. That yeah. that's a grace you've received because I know a lot of priests. Uh, I knew them as seminarians mm-hmm. and have known them for thirty years as priests. And one of the challenges that I think it starts in the seminary is that um, we don't like being wrong. Well, yeah, we don't. <laughs> We are, and, and, and then you go forward and say you get ordained, and now as a priest and pastor, people look to you for the answer. People look to you for the decision, mm-hmm. and Father's right. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that that's a simplistic thing of saying, because you might say, let me show you the emails and letters and, <laughs> and the recorded conversations of all the people telling me how wrong I am. But I would say, generally speaking, priests are in a position of often being the teacher, not the one who's taught. Being the one who is in charge rather than the one who is saying, I need to be vulnerable. I, that's, I, know, I don't mean that to be a, a psychologically tainted word, but uh, being open to disclose areas where I am not being successful, where I'm falling short, where I'm settling for less, where I'm sinning. And I want to say that, just typically speaking, that it would be easy for priests in a, let's just call it a lifestyle mode, to avoid relationships where that kind of dynamic is present. Mm-hmm. I, I, does that, what, actually, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to answer that yet, because <laughs> I'm up against a break. Okay. But you can ponder that question about um, what have you found with regards to that dynamic that I said, about the idea of being open and humble and, and being willing to disclose um, as a seminarian and as a priest. Back in a minute. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find 
uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. Father needed every one of those 60 seconds that he had to ponder what it was he was going to say in answer to the question. So, Father, what do you think? Um, you know, you said earlier, you know, you know, priests that you know in, in your past in, in the seminary and so on, like, we don't like to be wrong. I think that's absolutely true. But I think that with, with a, certain of my priest friends, it, it is easier for me to, to be open to, um, to uh, fraternal correction as needed and so on. As you know, probably because not not by the fact that they're priests, because not every priest you know do I feel comfortable with that with, but they're priest friends of mine who've like um, they've earned my trust, so to speak, and I've earned theirs, and so we can we know that when we speak in that mode, um, it's really it truly is from a place of charity and not a place of you know gotcha like accountability partner, um, but nonetheless it's still tough because I you know I don't. I don't like to be corrected. I don't think many of us do. There's quite a bit of, you know, the the original sin of pride, you know, lurking there, I think. Um, you know, Just and, and, in full disclosure, I don't yeah. like being corrected either, but I have yeah. a wife. Yeah, so, <laughs> so you got to... It, yeah. it makes it really, really easy. <laughs> yeah. And I've got a whole bunch of kids who are willing to point out when I fall short or I have a flaw or I yeah. did something. Dad, Dad, <laughs> you, you're not living up your own... So there's just a lot greater ease and willingness in my life to be <laughs> to be brought down a few pegs and yeah. knocked off my high horse. Yeah. Um, I, one of the things that um, I experienced in the seminary was, was a... Uh, we made a distinction, and, and I think I've talked about this before in Sound Insight, but I, I want to get around to this concept, if you're listening to this, brothers and sisters, is I just called you brothers and sisters uh, on the radio because we share a common faith, but not because we have the fullness of what that means, living a brotherly-sisterly relationship. And if I had to put features in that relationship, it's you support each other, encourage each other, and hold each other accountable. Mm -hmm. Those are three distinct modes of relating, support, encouragement, and accountability. Accountability is about going in front of someone up, upholding an ideal and saying, this is the way you have to go. And I'm going to measure how you're doing based on the ideal that you've identified and we've identified is the ideal that God has for your life. That is accountability. Mm -hmm. Encouragement says, I'm not out in front of you, just like looking at you, but I'm with you. I'm cheerleading you. I'm acknowledging the things that you're doing as you make progress. I'm with you in the present moment. And <coughs> I'm able to affirm you, celebrate you, see what God is doing, and put courage into your heart. Encourage. So that you feel that motivation. You feel that sense of energy, that, that sense of saying, I'm going to continue on. I want to go higher. I want to press forward more. And then there's support. Support is I've got your back. Support is I'm behind you. And I recognize that. Sometimes you're going to stumble. Sometimes you're going to fall. You're not always going to be at your best. There are going to be even seasons in your life where you're down, discouraged, where you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed by life. And you need someone who's at in that point to say, I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to carry you. I'm going to be with you as you struggle with that, with that season. So when I talk about being a brother in the Lord, I'm talking about someone who has that call to be drawn close to us in our lives and is able and willing, willing and able, there we go, capable of offering accountability out in front, 
uphold the standard. Encouragement, I'm with you. I'm going to celebrate you, speak into your life in a way that's very positive, and then support you when you're struggling. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a, that's a, the ideal friendship, right? I Absolutely. And yeah. uh, more than friendship, as you said, that's brotherhood, sisterhood, in Christ. In the Lord. Yeah. So, okay, now that you have a fuller picture of what I mean <laughs> by a sense of brotherhood, <clears throat> how does that... Well, first of all, do you see why that that would be so important? Yeah. You, you know, the, the uh, common link, I think, between those three aspects of the relationship is is the ideal that you mentioned in the beginning. You're either ahead of your friend pointing the ideal, like, let's get there, or beside him, like, we're getting there together, or you're behind him. But either way, it's the there to which we're going. And um, and there really is no higher ideal than the Lord himself. And um, and that's that's the that's an aspect of the renewal of the mind that we need to engage in is uh, if if I'm gonna engage in like a friendship of pleasure a friendship of convenience then it's really like you know I'm friends with you because I want to you know play video games with you or or because you make me laugh but there is no higher ideal than just this very insular kind of a thing um, and so there's not going to be a call to to greatness out of that. Um, that's where it can get competitive, needlessly, because you're playing the same video game, but I'm going to beat you at Mario Kart this time, or whatever game you're playing. <laughs> um, but the higher ideal, and so you're striving for more, and that's the common link, I think, between those three. Um, yeah, so... Well, I didn't make it up. You know, this comes from Aquinas. Oh, so I was about to give ta-da. you... I was Come about on. to give you credit. Oh. <laughs> so, well, and what it is, is it's a very... It's actually it's a fundamental idea that we live our lives... Uh, we live our lives on the way, yeah. right? So because we live our lives on the way, that means what? If there's an on the way, Aquinas says, that means there was a point of departure. That means that's where you've come from. Mm-hmm. It means there's a, a goal, a point of arrival. That's where you're headed. And there also means that there's some kind of measure. This is how far you've come. Yeah. Well, when you look at those three points, guess what you have? Well, if you have uh, in your present moment, you can say, here's where I've come from, here's where I'm at, and here's where I'm headed. Well, if you take a look at where you're at in relationship to where you're headed, what do you have? You have your ideal, and you have that sense of accountability. You mm-hmm. have the gap that exists and the part that you have to go. If you're uh, in that particular moment, where, where are you? You're encouraging. What's the encouragement? Look how far you've come, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Look how far mm-hmm. you've come. And so you can celebrate and encourage based on the gift, the, the path that you've walked. And w- what's the support? The support is, well, I'm behind you, recognizing that you don't want to go back to where you were. Yeah. Don't go back to Egypt. Yeah. You're going through the desert, head to the promised land. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so it's Aquinas. Yeah, it's well, Aquinas. You're in good company. Then. There we go. <laughs> Whew, I feel covered now. Um, but it let's. I I, I want to continue to dig into this because um, I, I want to say that in a certain way, Basil became Basil because of Gregory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, Basil is uh, Bishop Saint Basil the Great a great reformer, a great protector of the faith, a great uh, council father. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he became who he was because of his brotherhood mm-hmm. in faith with Gregory. And when I think about what it is that helps men today, and I think what would help priests today, are, are things like Exodus 90, mm-hmm. right? So what does Exodus 90 do? Well, it lists a whole bunch of things to do, yeah. right? And, and there's a tremendous strength to that because, guess what? Most guys are not going to do those things on their own, just out of personal inspiration, just saying, yeah, okay, let's just try it. No, it is a group of guys who get together, 
they make a decision and a commitment and they do it mm-hmm. and it's it's the strength of the common commitment yeah that says these guys are going to do that so i know that there are um, by the way, have, do you have any experience with Exodus 90? Um, I don't, not personally, but I, I got a lot of uh, parishioners uh, who do it, and I know of other priests who do it, yeah. Okay, um, and so the, I think the corresponding one for you would be different kinds of priest support groups, yeah. like Jesu uh, Caritas, or uh, is there one out here that's popular? Uh, I'm in a Jesu Caritas group. Okay, yeah. yeah, so I know sometimes that there are groups that are required yeah. Right, so certain dioceses, every priest is required to be in some kind of, and here's the thing that I call it a support group. Right. Uh, and, and so there's one aspect of things, mm-hmm. right? Um, but when you think about, and we're not asking for secrets to be revealed here, <laughs> but if you said, if I just talked about it in terms of outcomes, what would you say would be the benefits of being part of that, let's call it a men's group, a priest fraternity group, or being part of Jesu Caritas? For me, one of the great uh, fruits is just I'm I'm uh, renewed in my sense of confidence that I'm not fighting this good fight alone. And if I I know that if I'm struggling for whatever reason, I got a ready-made support group to encourage me, and I can exercise an ability to be strength for others. And in either way, it gives me confidence. And um, if I were at this all alone, I I'd, I'd feel like. Um, just a, a, a boat adrift at sea. I wouldn't have confidence that I even know where to go, you know, mm-hmm. let alone where I've come from. I'm just, you know, surrounded by, by, you know, directionless water, you know. So that's a fruit for me is the confidence that comes with being part of a group. And then part of that confidence, you know, an offshoot of that is peace, that, that um, you know, the Lord is with me, and that's um, uh, confirmed for me even further with these other men of God who are with me. And, and there's peace in that, that even if I'm struggling, you know, they've got my back. And if they're struggling, they know that I've got, I've got their back. And in order for that to happen, there is a, there's a word here, and it's, it's a word that, again, it's charged mm-hmm. because it has a sense of, uh, I don't know, emotions to it or whatever. That's the word share. Yeah. Like if you reference the idea that, well, if I'm struggling, they've got my back or they're with me, they're going to support me. Well, that is only going to happen if you know how to share. Yeah. If you're willing to, and I use the other word, disclose. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to bring out into the open what is a hidden part of your life mm-hmm. that says, I need some help here. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is, in my experience, the biggest uh, incapacity that men have. Yeah. Like even where men are willing to step up and do Exodus 90, the thing that holds it back from bearing as much fruit as it could in the lives of men is an inability to share. Yeah. Like I, I sharing sounds feminine, girly, mm-hmm. sounds sounds weak. Am I supposed to start crying? You know, <laughs> right. is that what sharing is? And it, and it's no, it's it's the willingness to be honest. Mm-hmm. It's the willingness to be open. It's the willingness to disclose um, a portion of my life that, guess what? It could be something that would be encouraged. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I want to share with you guys that I prayed every day this week, and I was able to withstand temptations. Con- oh, praise God. Beautiful. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So even that, even the idea of knowing how to share a positive, it's not natural. 
Right. It's it's something that it, it's a craft. It's a skill. It's something that has to be developed. Yeah. So I'm going down this trail for a reason, Father, and that is it's the beginning of a new year when yeah. folks are listening to this, and it. I sense my feeling is you tell me that the life of faith of a Catholic man or woman is going to be harder this year. Hmm. It's going to be harder this year than it was last year. It's been getting more difficult, but it's going to be even more difficult this year, that the challenges are going to be intensified. And one of the biggest um, sources of strength that the Lord offers to us is found in the body of Christ. It's found in brothers and sisters who will walk together intentionally to support, encourage, and hold each other accountable. But there are so few, it's like a desert where those kind of groups exist Mm -hmm. uh, for men, for women, for couples. Uh, and, And when those groups do come together, you, uh, it is so quick and easy for people to identify the limitations of of what ends up being shared. Someone dominates, someone else uh, doesn't say anything. When people are sharing, they're sharing stuff that is useless, these rabbit trails that go on and on, or they're only sharing these like positive things that are, or intellectual things, or things that are not personal. And so it's, it's like nine ways to get it wrong. Mm-hmm. But the idea of learning how to share is so critical for men and women this year, if in fact they're going to undertake uh, the, the battles that are right in front of them, in front of me, in front of us, and find support, encouragement, and accountability. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, it, it's interesting. I agree with about 99% of what you just shared except that I don't think it's going to be more difficult this year for that, for the reasons that you said. And I'm, going, I'm, I'm thinking back to uh, what you mentioned earlier about Exodus 90, what that is, a whole list of very difficult things that, that guys will do, and none of them would willingly take this on by themselves, but because they have a group that they're doing it with, they have an added zeal to finishing it. What that does is that, you know, the proverbial, you know, foxhole, you know, friendships that were formed, lifelong friendships by men who shared the experience of the um, of uh, D-Day or you know you know the Battle of Bastogne in, in World War II, and they they had to hunker down in a foxhole and just weather the storm. And if they survived, that gave them an experience in the battlefield that forged a bond for the rest of their lives. Absent of that, now in our in our present day and age, you know, we don't have world war going on. Well, maybe the Ukraine thing will expand to that. I don't know, but and so, but we still have that need to to have that brotherhood. That opportunity is not given to us or forced upon us by an externally imposed war. So we create it, and so we get things like Exodus ninety that create that spiritual foxhole. We dive into that with other with other friends in Christ, with other brothers and sisters, brothers in this case. And uh, and then we've got that shared experience, that bond that happens with that. Now I think that um, I think that 2023 is going to be a more difficult year with regard to as it's, it seems to be just creeping in this direction where religious uh, freedom and and uh, freedom of religious expression are just being clamped down on and whittled away more and more, and and if not through governmental pressure in our country, then through social pressure and economic pressure maybe in the various ways. And I think that that will also be an externally imposed kind of foxhole that 
those of us who make it the choice and the act of the will to make Jesus the center of our lives, not just a part of our lives, but the driver in our, you know, take the driving seat, uh, take the seat, uh, take the wheel, Jesus. Those of us who make that, we might find that there, it's fewer, uh, harder to find others like that, few and far between, but once we find them, it's, it's going to be like, you know, the apostles uh, in the upper room. We're going to be huddled together, locked because of the fear of the outside world. But there is a tight community, so tight and so filled with the holy love of the Holy Spirit that, that the fire will appear. So when we find those friends this coming year, I think it'll actually be easier to open up because we need that. We'll recognize more clearly that we need that support. I like that. Uh, that that's a very positive vision. Uh, we'll, we'll pick up on that in just a minute. This is Tom Carn with Father Lewis, and you're listening to Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Carnum with Father Jeff Lewis. And we're talking about uh, well, the beginning of 2023, and we're pondering the first of these three themes. Uh, do you think we're going to get to the second one at all, Father? I hope so. Okay, good. <laughs> the, the first is the fundamental importance of brotherhood or sisterhood in Christ to get, grant us these uh, wonderful aids that the Lord intends for us to have if we're going to grow in faith, if we're going to grow in holiness, which is having a brother or brothers, sister or sisters in Christ who will support us, encourage us, and hold us accountable. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I have no idea where to begin, I have no idea what to do, then go to your pastor. Is uh, Can I say that, Father Lewis? Sure. There we go. <laughs> So now if your pastor says, who told you to do that? It's Father <laughs> Jeff Lewis. Give him, give him the email address. You can email him. Uh, no, go to your priest and, and say, to, say to Father, look, Father, I, I need some support, encouragement, accountability. Can we do something together to, um, to walk out our life of faith together as men? Um, Catholics are really good at programs. right? Catholics really like programs. Mm-hmm. So I would say that starting with something like Exodus 90, and you can even adapt it for your own purposes and adapting it to Exodus 30, make it 30 days yeah. rather than 90. Um, and then if you can't do all of the commitments, well, make an agreement to do the ones that you can do. Mm-hmm. Make those visible. And then um, and then in terms of like the commitments, the commitments involve getting together typically once a week to share about how things are going. Um, so d- that's a very... It's, it's a ready-made place to start. Yeah. So that's what I would encourage yeah. uh, as, a, um, as something for men. For women, you can also do it as, as a group of women. Again, adapt it for yourselves. I think women— I think um, there is a women's equivalent. I can't remember what it's called, but there is a similar, um, a similar venture for uh, designed for women, I believe. Okay. Yeah. But it's not called Egypt 90, going, uh, going to Egypt? There is a name for it. I can't remember what it is. I don't think they're going back to Egypt. No. Yeah, okay, good. Um, so, I, yeah, and I think that, um, again, adapting it. Don't be afraid to adapt it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's no magic in the program. Uh, and so uh, adapt it in a way that is a doable thing for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think women um, have a more natural ability to share um, but that also tends to lead to a more natural inclination or a fallen inclination to um, share in ways that are not life-giving. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they have a different challenge than men. Yeah. Uh, men, it's about opening up. Women, it's about maybe uh, keeping, I, I don't want to say closing down, because uh, <laughs> if my wife hears this, I'm going to be in trouble. Um, no, but being able to you know, stay in line. I think yeah. women get that. That's not 
that's not surprising. Okay, so Father, let's let's move on to the second of these uh, the three themes. The second theme had to do with the uh, renewal of our minds, yeah. and that um, we we experience transformation. So says Saint Paul in Romans twelve one to two. Uh, we experience transformation in Christ through the renewal of our minds. And um, first of all, what do you, what does he mean by that? Um, I think what he means by that is we we've got to we've got to uh, allow ourselves to be changed, or to you know to the extent of our own personal will to to make the change of how we see and understand the world, the world around us. And um, so rather than look outside the window and I see a tree with snow on it which is true, factually true, but to maybe go deeper and saying, you know, God gave this, you know, circumstance to create this beautiful site um, and to thank God for that. So we can see things as gift rather than just see things as a, you know, okay, I saw that move on, but to appreciate it as a gift from God. And that's just one small example. We could, um, you know, how do we engage with the mass? And there's some people that, you know, well, I go to mass pretty robotically, you know, I'm there every Sunday, but, you know, and I don't know, I don't get much out of it unless the preach, you know, the priest preaches really well. But what if the priest didn't preach well, or what if he didn't preach at all? What if it were just the liturgy of the word and the sacrifice of the mass? Do we have the, the renewal of the mind to be able to, to really appreciate what's going on here? That this is a sacramental making truly present to us the, the sacrifice on Golgotha, and surrounded by all the angels and saints, glorifying God because of the supreme gift of self for the salvation of the world. Do we see that, or do we just, you know, kind of hear the priest blathering up there and, and kind of see candles burning and move on? So it's, it's uh, transforming the way that we, that we see and therefore uh, engage with the wider world around us. Well, and Father, I think this is a, um, this is a theme in our life of faith, that you um, live well. You put a great emphasis um, in your own pastoring of kids and, and young people and helping form them with forming their minds, um, with your, eff- like your effort to teach young people apologetics, which is going to help them have reasons for belief and also to defend their faith. Yeah. And I think both of those are critical things today. So I, I think one of the gifts God's given you is as a teacher to be able to say, here's the truth of our faith. Here's what it is saying. Here's what it means. Here's how it can apply. Now, if you remember, you know, what does Jesus say? You shall know the truth and... The truth will set you free. So there's some power of this truth to actually set us free. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that freedom operates at several levels. I think one level is it frees our minds from believing lies, mm-hmm. from being disturbed by um, a darkness and cloudiness, um, but to live in the, let's call it the clear light of the truth of Christ, mm-hmm. is so very freeing. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. Would you agree? Absolutely. And free, freedom also from from fear. Fear that I, I might be unpopular because I believe this and I'm speaking the truth, or fear that I'll maybe be unloved. Um, and then a greater fear, not maybe in our country, but but fear that I might be like killed for this. But that's another aspect of the renewal of our minds. That's maybe the greatest renewal of the mind that we need is is to not be afraid of death. You know, when we we're in the days of COVID, I think the world reacted the way it did because we have such a, a, a an irrational fear of death. If we have that kind of fear of death, then maybe we don't really understand what lies on the other side of the veil, and that is the fullness of the kingdom. And we're already there if we are Christians in the in the body of Christ now. And if we would see death not as an end but as a doorway. 
we even have a freedom from that fear, that, mo- that very fundamental primordial fear that humans have. And we've been freed from that because Jesus is the life. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, I think that uh, I'm right now reading a book. I, I want this to be a book club book, Why Must I Suffer? I know, a real pleasant book, yeah. right? A real happy book. It's an amazing book. It is absolutely amazing. Sounds good. Uh, I talked not, about Not it. why do I suffer, but why must I suffer? Why must I suffer? Title. He has 15 reasons. Yeah. And it's really powerful. I talked about it on the program last Thursday and Friday. Uh, it took two programs to cover why must I suffer. So people endured <laughs> a lot. But we, we have a horror of suffering, Yeah. right? And, and if we know the truth about suffering, well, then guess what? We have a greater openness to say, wait a minute, there's a benefit here. There's a blessing here. There's a potential power here that I don't want to miss out on. Anyways, um, but I also think about uh, Michel, uh, the transformation of our lives that comes from knowing the truth, mm-hmm. the truth of Christ, putting on the mind of Christ, by looking at the opposite. And so when we take a look at the, let's call the fire hose of lies, Mm -hmm. deceptions, half-truths, you talked about uh, religious persecution um, or diminishing religious liberties um, and false ideas. Well, where is all this coming from? Well, so much of it comes from the internet, Mm -hmm. from social media, and from the use of social media. Mm-hmm. And so it's something that Kerry has been um, emphasizing for me in this year is being more rigorous about elimin- limiting and as far as possible eliminating the accessing of social media, videos, talks. Mm-hmm. It's easy to rationalize, well, I'm, I'm not doing bad stuff. I'm listening to inspiring talks mm-hmm. or things that are at least not harmful. And she's like, no, 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 Un- underneath underneath the content level is the use level. Yeah. And the use level has a distracting and um, physiologically detrimental impact on our capacity to be present, to contemplate, to, uh, to, to uh, exercise... Uh, a connection to the real world. So when we talk about knowing the truth, you re- you reflected on Father the idea of like looking out at the trees, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you're not looking out at the trees if you're looking at trees on your screen, right? <laughs> and so there's there's that sense of authentic connection and communion and communication with reality that is diminishing and is being damaged when we overly utilize or access smartphones and social media. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would totally echo Carrie's uh, uh, sentiment in this regard. I don't have social media, so yay me. <laughs> There's only about six websites I look at. Five are Catholic news websites. One is Babylon B for the for the humor. Nice. Um, you know. So you know what you're kind of speaking to is you know part of an ask, you know part of what we need to do to renew our minds is. We need to be very discerning and discriminating about what we choose to allow to enter into my minds in the first place, through what we see and what we listen to. And, um, you know, maybe the music I'm listening to is not quote-unquote bad, but it's not that good because is it really in the end of the day uplifting or is it really just kind of, uh, I don't know. Just call it a waste. Yeah, just a waste. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, And, you know, instead of, you know, there's a lot of people like the top 40, I guess. I'm, I'm not generally one of them, but... 
you know, what if we were to engage ourselves in, in, um, in Christian music or classical music or something that's just more uplifting and enriching? Um, you know, so we choose and we're discriminating about what we choose to allow to enter our minds in the first place. And that allows us greater clarity, as you earlier said, um, how we view the world now, you know, what we're looking at outside. I'm not reliant on the screens or what I'm listening to, but I can actually listen to the birds sing in the spring or whatever instead of earbuds in my ears, and I can actually see the world around me rather than constantly taking videos of it. Yeah. So, Father, we're up against a break. When we come back, I'm going to explore this live with you um, to see if you have an answer. Okay, so you don't even know the question, but get ready. It's a scary one. Back in a minute with Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. If you want to listen to the podcast version of this program, you can go to mycatholicfaith.org. You can sign up on Apple Podcasts, and it's available to you 24-7. So if you're not able to hear the whole program when it's on live on Sacred Heart Radio, you have the opportunity to access it at any time. All right, Father, back to the program. There's my problem. <laughs> okay, so here's, here's what we're saying. Uh, so uh, I wonder about this. I really, I do. I ponder it very much. I say that... Um, Kerry says that the newest addiction that needs, um, let's call it, I don't know if you call them support groups or um, like some kind of 12-step program, is addiction to smartphones. Mm-hmm. It, it, not pornography specifically, not some other activity on the internet, just addiction to smartphone use. The number of times a day that people touch their phone, the kind of energy that is connected to their phone itself. I don't just mean phantom buzzing in the pocket. I'm talking about the sense of anxiety that comes if I haven't looked at my phone in the last 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. or if there's a notification that goes off that it triggers something uh, chemically in the brain to say, I've got to go look at that right now. And there's this sense of energy to go check it out or the humorous reference to the places and spaces in our lives where we have to have our smartphone with us because God forbid we should have even 30 seconds (laughs) without uh, some kind of media being pushed towards us. Yeah. And not realizing the fact that our brains were not made to be constantly bombarded by this information. And it's not just information overload. It's that we get so overwhelmed. And and again, this is not even the content level. Mm -hmm. But physiologically, there is an addiction to uh, to that little um, dopamine, that that little impulse that then feeds us. And then we have this, literally, this addiction. And even the idea of saying, put down your phones, put your phones away, um, is, is something that is, um, is, is hard for so many people to imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, now, with that said, hey, wait a minute. A lot of what I do in ministry is ultimately accessible on the internet. So here I am saying, Smartphone addiction is a horror. It's a terrible thing. Go listen to it on my podcast. <laughs> you know, it's a terrible thing. It's taking us away from prayer. Come and join me on prayer on Facebook while I'll pray the rosary live with you. Um, and oh, by the way, if you really appreciate what I'm saying, go to my website. And you can download some free digital resources that you can listen to anytime, day or night. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, 
all those are good intentioned, and hopefully the content itself can have a good impact. But is the means of delivery, uh, does it impact, maybe not in and of itself, but for the majority of people that are accessing it, Am I fostering something that's unhealthy in their life by literally saying, my content is so important that I'll deliver it to you in a way that's not helpful to you? <laughs> Versus saying, you know what? You'll do far better to never listen to anybody's podcast. And that'll be my one podcast. Don't listen to anybody's podcast. <laughs> go sit in, in silence. Go look at creation. Go to adoration every day, and you'll become holy. You don't need all the information you think you need. You yeah. just don't. Pay attention to the world around you. Go deeper within you, and um, read a good book, journal, and live. Get on with the living of your daily life of holiness. Mm -hmm. That's a long question. Yeah, <laughs> give me the answer, Father. I need it. <laughs> I'm not sure I have an answer, but I suspect if there is an answer that I could come up with, um, at the heart of it, or at least associated with it somehow, would be the virtue of temperance. It, you know, the world is thus. It'd be so hard to just be removed completely from screens in our, you know, first world, Western world of the 21st century. Um, that's not to say that we should just surrender the fight altogether, but it, it is a, a new opportunity to, to, grow, to grow in temperance. You know, it's an interesting thing. You know, how, how long in human history did we not really have any um, way of measuring time? And um, you can imagine whatever the first uh, timepiece that was invented, maybe it was the sundial, you know, people are like, ugh. And now, you know, now we've got we can measure time by the second, and we can schedule things by the second. If I don't start mass exactly at seven a.m., but it's like seven a.m. in thirty seconds. Oh, I'm looking. I'm turning around. Yeah. I'm looking. I'm like, <laughs> what's what's wrong with Father? Why is he late? Right. Whereas you know, in a previous uh, era, you know, mass started when the priest was ready and would sound the bell, and then you probably had ten minutes to get to the church. But that was when the parish church was in the center of town, and everyone was in walking distance, I suppose. So you know. You know, there's there's a way you can lend about that. Now we're so you know addicted to to measured time, and we can't. It'd be impossible to think about how we can let go of that. So it is what it is. But but you know, I'm not addicted to looking at my watch. I don't even wear a watch anymore. Imagine that. But but some people do. They're looking at their watch all the time. Um, so I again, I think the answer would have something to do with temperance. So it's not bad. I think necessarily that that there's a podcast, but. You know, our Catholics get addicted to good holy Catholic podcasts, but then they're always the the spiritual dopamine of listening to good content, and it's not it's not uh, it's not in proper balance with with other things that really help us to be forged as saints. So temperance, I think, is at heart of the answer. I I like that. I I I, I believe you're right. Um, and at the same time, it's like um, I I can remember talking to guys about um, okay, so it's not. All movies aren't bad, right? You, you like movies. I do. <laughs> um, but I was, I was saying to some guys, I was saying, look, guys, if for you, um, you know, certain kinds of movies, even if you just say, don't even say R-rated movies, but certain kinds of movies are going to stir memories, um, bring these things, recall these things back into your imagination, just let it go for mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Maybe for now is for the next couple of years. You just don't even... Uh, give yourself that freedom, but yeah. so temperance can mean fasting, right? Like abstinence, yeah. like yeah. A, like a strong abstinence, and I think that um, that is probably the solution for many. That we are not going to be able to use a gradualized approach. 
Well, let me cut back this way and this way, slow but sure, start introducing a kind of moderation. I think it has to happen the other way. Pendulum swing all the way, go abstinent for a time, and then only once the clarity, the recovery of clarity has occurred, then can you begin to say again, where do I allow or permit and what tools am I going to use phone-wise mm-hmm. to protect me from falling back into the very dangers that I uh, have allowed to come into my life before? Yeah. And again, I'm only talking about use. Yeah. I'm not even talking about content. The content, yeah. Um, so I, I don't think know. There, I think there's something to that. I remember in, in Lent of 2017, what I gave up for Lent was the internet. The only thing I used the internet for was to check email. But I didn't go to any websites, not even Catholic news sites. I had none of that going on. So I went from, you know, I would watch, you know, funny videos on YouTube or, you know, I'm, I'm big into humor, I guess. There's other funny websites that are satire or whatever. But I went from all of that plus Catholic news sites and secular news sites to nothing at all and then scaled it back up to what I, I, I definitely need. Uh, you know, you know that to, to kind of maybe, well, maybe not even need, but, but what I think is is good but doesn't go overboard so i went from all of that to nothing and scaled it back to like the five catholic news websites that i look at yeah so i think there's merit to what you're suggesting yeah well i I, and so again you're a model of virtue here father i I appreciate that see this is why we have father on is that he inspires us i on the other hand it collapsed like a house of cards and so i'm the humility hilarity uh, voice on the program to say you're not that bad you're not as bad as tom is right now so uh, anyway, so that's, I think, that's one that Kerry and I are pondering in terms of what phone do we have. Um, and so the Trumi phone is what I recommend, yeah. T-R-O-O-M-I, because of it, it the tremendous limitations that it puts onto um, the use of the phone so that it's just going to be a, a much better device for people. So... Um, but I, I can talk about that more at another time with Kerry, yeah. so she can speak into my life and help me be accountable. All right. Well, Father, we are up against the end of our program uh, on this wonderful feast day, and we had a chance to talk about the transformation of our minds through uh, letting the truth set us free and also the gift of brotherhood and faith and sisterhood for those who are there by finding relationships that support, encourage, and hold us accountable. Well, Father, thanks. i give you a final word. No, I think you got it. Yeah, I wish we could have gone more into the implication of the new year, but ah, another time. Another, another time. year. Another year. We'll wait till next Monday. We'll talk about it then. All right. Thank you so much for listening. God bless your day. Go listen to the podcast. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.